from Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five in a 30 mile zone. Foot like lead, nerves like steel, wild ride when it's taking the Does your partner identify as a feminist? Do their beliefs not quite align with your own? And if you do have different political values, does that even matter? Welcome to Love Etc., where your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Zara, let's kick off this episode with the ultimate dating conundrum that feminists trip over. Who should be paying for the first date? This is an interesting one because literally no one agrees. Who do you think should be paying for the first date? I think the boy should, but the girl should at least offer. And then the boy say, no, 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 I'll get this. And then it's, yeah, boy pays. The boy should pay for at least the first three. Um, I'm just, I'm just traditionalist like that. I want to be wooed. I definitely don't think that men need to be paying for the first date every time. I think that that actually creates a bit of a weird power dynamic. But I also think that splitting halves is kind of awkward. So I think a happy medium is taking it in turns to pay for dates. Um, whoever asks the person out on the first date can pay for the first one, but then you switch it over and take turns. First date, who pays? I think the boy should pay for the first date, but you definitely should do the wallet dance. Like, oh no, I'll do it. I oh, know you get, uh, uh, okay, fine, you can do it. But like, you don't actually have any intention of paying, obviously. <laughs> Look, I think it will always depend, but I'd definitely say the person who asks the other out should be paying. Ooh, I don't think I agree with some of those at all. So what do you think then? Look, uh, in my own experience, I have really tried to make sure that the first date with someone is always split equally, simply because I feel like I don't want to owe a guy anything. And sometimes the power dynamic, when he, say, splashes all his cash on a really exorbitant, fancy first date, I then feel like I inherently owe him something or need to reciprocate in a way that I might not feel comfortable. What about you? Well, I wanted to get to that sense of being or feeling indebted in a second, but I am interested in that sort of physical fighting over the payment. When you were dating, how did that transpire? Is it literally you saying as you're going up to pay, hey, I'm paying for half of this? Is it asking to pay at the cash register? I don't even know what to call it anymore, cash, <laughs> cash register. register. Um, or is it both of you fighting with your cards? Like what did that look like Well, to this you? is the funny thing. I want to pay half, but on the majority of the dates that I went on when I was single, I didn't pay half. Men were insistent. And I think it's also important to be polite. And if someone's insisting, then let them pay. With my first date with Mitch, we actually went to the Moonlight Cinema, which meant you could just pay for your own ticket. And it was really simple. And I think we went out and we just bought a whole bunch of food anyway to like have a bit of a picnic style date. So that was really simple. I remember tickets were 20 bucks each and we just bought our own tickets. See, that works well. And I find this conversation so interesting because it does sound on first impression or on a base level quite frivolous, but I think it's the launching pad of streams of conversations about like antiquated gender norms and the power dynamics in specifically hetero relationships. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this issue comes up in a lot of um, same-sex relationships, but I do think the, the gender norms and the power dynamics are amplified when it's a man and a woman. Dating is a weird one, I'm starting to realize, because 
I never know if I should be asking someone on a date. Like I wouldn't even know how to start that conversation. (laughs) We have had a few awkward conversations with you being like, how do I drop this in? And so it's interesting to me because my answer has always been, well, the person who asks the other person on the date should pay for the date, Yeah, which in theory is a fine idea. But the more I spend time on Bumble, the more I realize that it's the expectation or traditional expectation is on men driving the conversation and asking the person out on the date. So we kind of don't get anywhere if we're still expecting men to ask women on date, because if that's the case, then we're expecting them to pay too. Am I right in thinking that you did kind of suggest a date to someone for the first time in your life? No. (laughs) (laughs) Don't lie to the listeners, Zara. I've been trying to train myself, particularly before we did this episode, because I was thinking I really do need to get out there and actually work out how this stuff works. And I had a conversation with you and I said, I had such different ideas about what I thought dating would be before I actually joined Mm. the dating sphere. And I always said to you, I'll be really honest. I'll be kind of like, no bullshit. I will ask for something if I want it. And then it's got to a reality where I don't want to ask for anything that I actually want because I've fallen back into very traditional, very annoying, almost very oppressive gender roles. You're such a doormat. I am such a doormat. <laughs> Kitty. But I know it's true. But if we are going down the path of tradition, right, and the expectation is on men to pay because they always have, then there's an absolute conversation to be had very quickly about the financial burden of being a young man in the dating scene. I don't want to cry a river for young straight men who aren't struggling in a whole heap of other areas, but there is a conversation to be had about how expensive dating is. Absolutely. And I think when these conversations take place, they're kind of detached from reality, right? It's all very idealistic to be like, it should all be equal and that should be fine. But the reality is is that we know that men have this expectation on them. I found a really interesting study. It was done by Time Magazine's Money Platform, which found that 78% of people, when it comes to hetero couples, think that the man should pay. So that's Almost 80% of people think that is the expectation. And that's not just from men, that's from women as well. So lots of women are going into dates thinking the guy needs to pay. And if a guy thinks this is the expectation of him and he doesn't pay, he's probably going to then be worried that there won't be a date too. It's almost like an assumed burden that they carry, that they think this is my job and if I don't do it, I'm not being the best date that I could be. And what actually happens if you don't have the finances to fund that? I read a similar study which actually said a similar thing, published in 2015. In Sage Open, which is like an open access academic journal, that found 76% of men said they feel guilty if they don't pay for a date. And I think guilt and responsibility are two different things. Whether or not they're happy about it is one thing, but they do feel a sense of ownership or need or guilt if they don't fulfill the role we expect them to play. Yeah. And this might be a very frivolous argument that I'll make as a counter argument. But as soon as we talk about this and the burden that men have to pay and that they're expected to go on dates and I guess foot the bill, I would say that women spend more money in other areas that are also expected on a date. A woman is expected most of the time to have a full face of makeup when she goes on a date and really put effort into her beauty and self-care regime where a man can have a shower, smell good, roll out of the house and be like, yep, done, ready for my date. The standards that we put on a woman to look, quote, beautiful and appropriate and presentable is a full face of makeup. How much is she paying in her beauty regimen? And and hair removal. removal, I was about to say (laughs) waxing, laser, facials, whatever you might have in your beauty care routine, how much is she paying? It's probably including the female tax that are put on bloody 
hygiene products, yeah. self-care products, we're probably paying way more in the long run anyway. So maybe men should be paying for the dates. And I've just argued against my entire belief system. Yeah, I mean, it's a frivolous but an important point, truly. I mean, our lives, I do think, in these scenarios are more expensive because of the expectations on what we look like. I think traditionally the theory has gone that men, and again, we're still focusing on hetero relationships for the moment, that men have always paid for dates because men were always earning well before waves of feminism came into play. That's changed now. Women are independent. Feminism came along. Women work. Women earn money. However, there's still a pay gap. Absolutely. So until there's a pay gap, do we just say, okay, will you guys pay because we're not there yet? (laughs) I'm just imagining a man and a woman at the cash register after a date or at the till calculating on their phone what would be 16% extra on the man's half of the bill because he gets a 16% extra cut in his pay. To get even more technical, it's like 16% of that bill, but what if it, what is like a 16% pay increase over the course of 50 years actually I equal? Know. It's far more than 16%. It's like far more than a bill. Why don't they just cop the bill? I do want to come back to this concept of feeling indebted though that you touched on at the very start of this conversation when somebody, regardless of gender, pays for the first date, whether you do feel a sense of having to see them again? Yeah, you probably do. Well, I was even talking, this is quite explicit, but in a sexual sense, that often if you're then expected to kiss him or if you're expected to go home with him and have sex with him because he brought you out and he bought you all these cocktails and he bought you a really fancy meal. I know that's very simplistic and it's very black and white in terms of looking at it and looking at the mechanics of dating. But I do think that's a very real thing for a lot of women that they almost feel like this man has shelled out maybe $150 and they have to repay him somehow and they know that the way he wants to be repaid is probably with intimacy. So it's super complicated and murky terrain. I also think on top of that, it's super interesting that the average man, according to the time survey that I mentioned before, the average man actually thinks the normal date is more expensive or should be more expensive than what women think. The average woman thinks it should be costing between $25 and $50. The average man thinks it should be costing between $50 and $100. Yeah, I mean, this is probably why they're all struggling to pay for them all. I want to come back to your point very quickly on whether women feel like they owe man something or even the other way around a man feels like he owes a woman something or a woman feels like he, she owes a woman something after somebody pays for the entirety of a date and I feel like some people would listen to that maybe men listen to your analysis of that power dynamic and say whoa I'm not paying because I expect anything I'm just paying because I feel like that's what I should do mm. and that's true both things can be true at once I think it's just this really unequal footing when someone spends a lot of money on you and for some people that might feel like you need to go and have sex with them for others for me I think it would feel like am I a bitch if I don't want to see them again am I a real snob if I say no date too well it's all signaling right I'm absolutely not saying that men pay for date and then think in their head I deserve sex because I paid for this I'm not saying that I think it's almost a massive miscommunication and a massive missing of cues and social signals in that women probably feel that regardless of how good a man's intentions and how pure a man's intentions might be it's almost like we're on completely different playing fields playing different games without realizing it I did read a really interesting story on this on the Wall Street Journal, which I think tells you how pervasive this conversation is if the politics of paying for date is making the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) Journal. And the writer Elizabeth Bernstein wrote, although no one wants to admit it, both men and women are often still uncomfortable when a woman offers to pay on a date. Men sometimes feel emasculated. They also wonder if a woman's insistence on paying is a signal that she isn't interested in them romantically. And many women, even the most independently minded, feel that when 
a man lets them pay, he's not a gentleman and he's not that serious. So when you said before, it's all signaling, I guess it kind of is. If I'm offering to pay, is this me paying my half so I don't have to see you again? And is somebody else taking that as a signal that I'm not interested? If uh, he lets me pay, is that me assuming that he's not serious about it either, that he doesn't want to, I don't know, spoil me? And I think to me, it speaks to how deeply entrenched ideas about dating and chivalry and relationships are and how hard they are to undo, that we can think one thing, but we can feel something completely different, even with clear ration and logic and independence. Well, it's so funny because on Mitch's and my first date, I remember thinking I have to pay half because other situationships that I'd been in the past, from the very, very beginning, I'd let it be an unequal playing field. And I deeply regretted that. And I remember from the very first date, I said, this time I'm doing it right. And to this day, we've been together three and a half years living together for two and a half, we split or we make sure that we go one for one and everything is equal. I think we just both feel most comfortable that way. We feel like we're playing on the same team. We feel like we're equal partners that way. And I don't see that ever ending necessarily. I think it's really important to make sure that you both feel really comfortable with money from the get-go because money is so important when it comes to long-term relationships and the the balance of power between you in a relationship. Well, it's quite symbolic, right? Yeah. It, it symbolizes far more than you might think. I do think, though, when we have these conversations, it's, it's really hard to undo almost centuries of tradition and stereotype and thought process and feelings. And I think it's we can be incredibly hard on ourselves, particularly as feminists who feel like flawed feminists all the time, to be strong and independent and earning our own money and actually still feeling like someone is more attractive if they're offering to pay. Like th- that kind of sense of cognitive dissonance, I reckon comes out to play more than women would acknowledge. Absolutely. Moving away from the hetero relationship just for a second, I think we can talk about, about all kinds of relationships when we also acknowledge the fact that you need to be really aware or conscious of the pay disparity that might be between you and your partner. Say you're a woman who's asking another woman out on a date. It is kind of your responsibility to take into account that that woman might not be on the same playing field as you. So if you expect to halve the bill and you're taking her to a super fancy tapas restaurant where you're buying a million different drinks and you're going all out, that's extremely unfair to expect her to then go 50-50 with you when you might be on 100K and she might be a student earning 35K a year. It's that self and social awareness that needs to come into dating that is often lacking. Yes, exactly. Well, I think it's not only impolite, I think it's just socially inept inept and unaware and not even thinking about the other person i think a disparity between income is a huge issue in many relationships in your 20s as well because some people might have been working full-time for five years some people might still be a student at university or not working at all there's so much job instability out there you have to be really cognizant of your financial stability and your financial scenario compared to your partners Coming up on the show, a conversation about feminism and relationships. But first, it's time for a Bumble break. Mish, some people might know Bumble as a dating app, but one of the key features of Bumble is their Bumble Biz function that helps women network with each other. Bumble Biz is beyond genius. So it's a little like Bumble Date and Bumble BFF in that Bumble Biz is geo-targeted, allowing you to meet professionals in your area. And don't stress, your Bumble Biz profile is separate to your date or BFF profile and allows you to include more information about your career, your work history, or your aspirations. It's the ultimate social networking app for the career woman. Because here's the thing, right? 
networking shouldn't always have to feel hard or uncomfortable. Bumble Biz helps you so you can make life-changing connections at your own pace on your own terms. Download Bumble Biz now and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. Maybe I'm on the hunt for a new work wife, Zara. Oh, no. Watch out. <laughs> Okay, so we've been talking a heap about gender norms, Michelle, and dynamics without actually using the F word. So let's go there. Would you care if your partner didn't identify as a feminist? It's funny because I don't think I've ever asked my partner if he does identify as a feminist. I think he is a feminist by virtue of how he acts and his view on the world. But whether or not he ascribed that label to himself is an interesting question that I've never asked what about you I wanted you to ask I want you to ask him now while he's while we're on (laughs) air call him up while we're on air I can imagine myself going on a date with someone and discounting them almost immediately and completely if they said something to the effect of feminism is a dirty word like those words aren't going to come out of their mouth but something to that effect I would discount them which I don't think is fair of me Oh, I think if Mitch came out and was like, ooh, feminazis, I would definitely... (laughs) Unless it was an ironic joke. I would really have to question our relationship. But I think it's super complicated, right? Because I think calling yourself a feminist when you're a man is a great way to show solidarity and a really great way to show that you care about the issues that your female partner probably cares about. But I also think this is super complicated because the word feminist is now so much more than just a word. I think using the word feminist to describe yourself is now a really sweeping political and social statement that carries a lot of baggage. We know that feminism has a PR problem. We know that it does carry with it a whole different range of definitions. And this is my overwhelming feeling now in that what I think feminism is might be entirely different to what another political feminist who chooses not to date men because she defines herself as a political feminist, how she defines social equality and gender equality might be worlds and planets and universes away from what I define feminism as. But that's what I find interesting in that I agree with you that feminism has its PR problem and all of the the rest of what you said, but I don't know if all of our definitions of feminism are as different as society would have us believe. I think there's a real movement to sort of split feminists up and and pit them against each other to make them feel like they're fighting for different things. Do you think it's society pitting us against each other or do you think there's also a tendency that there's a lot of infighting, that if you're not a good enough feminist, other feminists We'll point that out. I and think, I think we've also been trained to do that, but I think there is a lot of infighting between feminists about what feminism should be and what it should look like. No, I think you're right. I think it's completely laid. I think there's a tendency, as there is with women in the public eye generally, to pit them against each other. But yeah. I agree with you. There's also a tendency for us to pit each other against ourselves. It's outwards and it's inwards, yes. I feel like. And I think that's a huge thing, right? So many men don't want to use that label because they do feel like, more broadly, there's that very negative connotation that feminism still means means man-hating or not living with men or not dating men or being very cynical towards every man. It's that whole not all men movement that we've seen really pick up lately. And that's why I do kind of sympathize and why I don't expect it to be. I don't I don't see it as a red flag. If Mitch said to me today, no, I probably wouldn't use the word feminist for myself. I know in my head 
that he is a feminist by my definition. And if I laid out my definition to him in that I believe that men and women should be treated equally and it should mean equality amongst the sexes, he would say, yes, that's exactly what I think feminism is. And by that definition, I am a feminist. So I think the red flag here is not what they say in that initial comment. It's how they react to your reaction, right? So if a guy said to me, no, I'm not a feminist. And I said, okay, that's really interesting to me because this is what it means to me. And this is what it's generally meant to represent. And they came back and said, yeah, still not really sure about it. That would be the red flag, right? If they are receptive um, and compassionate to your beliefs and your feelings and your values and what that word means to you, then I think it's okay. But if they're discounting you, then that is its red flag. Unfortunately, I think the emotional burden is on feminists to communicate feminism in a way that's palatable. I know that's a very unpopular opinion, a very unpopular opinion, but I think if we want to be incredibly pragmatic and rational about about making feminism mainstream so that we don't even have to have this conversation in around dating, mm. then I think it needs to be palatable. I think we need to be very logical in our discussions and not jump down someone's throat on a date if they say they're not a feminist, that we actually explain to him or her why it matters to us. Absolutely. I also think on a really positive note that the tide is turning. I think it's becoming a fashion statement to be a feminist, which some people might put their hands up and say, well, that's not the best thing in the long run for feminism. And I would disagree. I think the more mainstream something is, the more palatable it is, the more broadly it's accepted and everyone can change and progress together. I think slowly but surely we are seeing more men put themselves under the banner of feminism, put their feminist cap on, which is a great thing in my opinion, and I want to see more of it down the track. I think if somebody does find themselves on a date and the man or woman on that date kind of rejects the term, I do think in part it's it's about explaining to people why labels in this scenario matter. Some labels can be reductive and be weapons of oppression, but I think others can help us categorize and mobilize and identify what needs to change. I don't think we can change anything if we don't identify the problem and give it a term. Mm. And I think that's important too. I am interested with you. What are your telltale signs that a man or woman is a feminist? Specifically to my relationship now? Um, no, I mean, I th- imagine yourself in the dating game. You are on a first date or uh. you're meeting someone for the first time. How do you how do you get an impression of someone if they're a feminist? Well, I think the very, very first one, going back to our first discussion, is not being affronted by someone, by a woman suggesting that she'd pay 50%. Yeah. When I suggested that to me, she was like, of course, if you want to pay 50%, pay 50%. I think if a man was offended by that very suggestion, that is a little bit of a sign to me. I don't know if that is to me. If he took offense, if he insisted and said, no, no, I really want to pay, I'd let him do that. If he took offense as if, why would you suggest that? Which I think some men that I've dated in the past have. But aren't they victims of the patriarchy if they are offended by that too? Because they are victims of a society that tells them that they need to be a certain way in order to be a man. But I'm not, but maybe you are a closet misogynist by virtue of the patriarchy that you live totally. in. I just don't have time for it. I just don't think you're a feminist. I mean, I th- I reckon that's a little bit of a reductive way to look at it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just, I don't want to discount anyone that could be like mildly offended by my offer. Well, I don't think any of my other red flags are going to work for you. I guess another red flag that someone, <laughs> so another red flag that someone might not be a feminist or hold the feminist values that I value would be that they speak ill of their mother or the totally. women around them. I think that's a huge one that we've come back to time and time again. Uh, also, a big one for me is being supportive of me being really career oriented i think it's a huge green flag that my partner now has always been very supportive and very present when it comes to conversations around my career and around how ambitious i am i think when men 
come to those type of conversations with their backup and with a bit of a, an annoyance that you want to really pursue your career, that is a red flag. To me, I was thinking about this like across all genders, whether it be a man or a female, what would be the core sign to me that someone fundamentally believed in equal sex? Because you can have females who have very internalized ideas about sex and sexism and, and misogyny. And to me, the first one I could come up with is how many female friends do they have? Um, as particularly when it comes to my male friends, it's a huge one. I've actually never really asked my core group of male friends in the same way that you've never asked Mitch if they if he was a feminist, but I think they would be without even realizing because I think the fact that they can go out for coffee with me and for us to have a relationship that has no basis in sex or attraction is huge. I think it's the first sign that someone sees you as an equal if they want to be your friend, whether that's, that's male or female. That's a great one. Platonic friendships yeah. with women. That is a great sign. But look, because we cannot come to a firm opinion for the life of us, we did enlist the help once again of our favourite feminist, Dr. Lauren Rosewarn. Does it matter, in your opinion, if someone's partner, both man or woman, doesn't identify as a feminist? Look, I think feminist is a word, and I I, I reflect on this with my own students, not a lot of them use it. And I I teach mainly 19, 20-year-olds, and that's partly because there's been a really long history of a branding problem with feminism where it's, you know, coupled with no makeup or not shaving your legs or whatever. PR problem. Yeah, (laughs) and I think there's partly there's that. And partly, I think, particularly for men, there's this idea that if I say it, I'm emasculating myself. And I have not spent time with, as in close male friends, close male family members, who wouldn't be feminists. They all are. They just probably wouldn't be using the F word. You know, I often think I used to go to work with my dad a lot when I was a little kid, and I probably got some of my feminist values, or definitely got some of my feminist values from him. He wouldn't be going around holding the sign, (laughs) calling himself a feminist. Nor would he be wearing the T-shirt, this is what a feminist looks like. And I think for men particularly, they're not going to have too close an affiliation with the word, even though the demand to have woke values today encompasses feminist values. I do wonder, do you think in today's society we put too much emphasis on romanticism and that big, grand romantic gestures in relationships are what should be the ideal? Unquestionably. I mean, Disney rom-coms, they've all screwed us up substantially. They've screwed us up in the sense of, firstly, how we meet a partner. We kind of have this expectation we're going to bump into each other, our eyes are going to meet, you know, it's, you know the birds are going to start singing, etc., etc. Reality is most of us now are going to meet a part- partner through an app, right? And that's not beautiful in the way that Hollywood presents it. <laughs> And even though in real life you still need chemistry, you still need, you know, a bit of magic and, and all the rest, we like the idea of the Hollywood ending. And when people are surveyed, yes, they'll meet their partner online, but that wasn't the ideal for them. They wanted that sort of meet-cute moment. The other aspect I think is also something Hollywood teaches us is that fulfilment will come from your partner and that your partner will be your everything to you. And this is a really unrealistic expectation to go in. There's a reason why we have friends and family. They serve in different roles in our life. Expecting your partner to be everything to you is just ridiculous and unrealistic. And for me, the image I straight away think of when I say that is men sitting outside changing rooms looking thoroughly depressed, right? Where she's dragged him along to go while she tries on outfits. Why did he need to be there, right? In the sense that you can do that activity with friends or on your own, but him being there is somehow 
I just think that's a beautiful example. And I, I'm going back to an image I have of being in a department store where they actually had a rack, a sort of <laughs> bank of seats for dejected men. And it was like, here you go. All of you just sit in this sort of childcare pen for adults. And I just think this is an example of yet another extension of wanting your partner to feel you know, to be perfect because perfection's not attainable and realistically you your coupling shouldn't be to cover and tick every box. But that laundry list I think is partly fueled by the technology now where we shop for partners almost like we shop for shoes, where you can be quite specific about what you want, which almost is the polar opposite of that magic we also think we want with just bumping into <laughs> someone and seeing how things go. Now we're saying... We want him to be a fan of Hawthorne and, you know, uh, like rock climbing and be a Taurus and, you know, all this laundry list. And until I get that, I'm unsatisfied, which isn't realistic either. The next thing that we wanted to ask Dr. Rosewan about was about chivalry, right, Michelle? Because I think when it comes to chivalry, we're really confused about its role in dating culture today. Oh, it's a clusterfuck and I can't wait to hear her thoughts. How do you define chivalry? Like, do you think that chivalry in 2019 can be a completely gender-neutral term that doesn't have to be rooted in this idea that only a man can be chivalrous? Like, can we redefine chivalry to to be a kind of mutual respect? Yeah. Look, I don't. I don't. Couldn't imagine I'd use the word unless I was being a little bit facetious. <laughs> um, for me, I think there is just the idea of treating each other well and as well as you can in a given circumstance. So for me, it's if I get to the door first, I'm going to hold it open, and that should really be the end of it as opposed to an idea of making this too much of a thing. You know, I think, and I've done this definitely in my sort of more serious feminist past of feeling like, you know, I can't accept too many doors being open for me because that will somehow diminish me as a, you know, as a feminist. And that was sort of very much young Lauren's views, whereas now I don't care. And also I don't feel it's actually too connected to my politics. But also just this idea of treating each other well should actually be a guiding principle for us all as opposed to making such a big deal of it. And I think historically feminists, myself included, have been very guilty of overthinking such things such as who's going to open the car door when in fact most people now have those beeper things that do it for you. So realistically, we don't need anyone to fight for who's going to open the car door anymore. (laughs) This is changing tack for a second. Do you think there are any telltale signs that someone might be dating a misogynist or a closet misogynist? This is very tricky because misogyny is a very specific word, meaning women hating. And I think that more likely women are going to be dating men who don't necessarily know their behaviour is misogynistic. So, for example, men who are putatively in a committed relationship with you but also are spending their time on Tinder and hoping potentially to upgrade right? This upgrade mentality drives us all to certain extents, but the idea that, you know, he could potentially cash in and get someone better. I'm not sure I'd call that misogyny, but I'd certainly think that's a jerk's behaviour. And I think that's where it sort of gets blurry. From a woman's perspective, we often tend to call things that are sort of acts of bastardry misogyny. I'm not sure it's always the right word. I think most men don't actually hate women. I just don't think that they have the same awareness of the kind of things that women find egregious and I think that's an example of you know cheating betrayal etc are things that you know not cool he'd say but I love women and he probably loves a little bit too much yes (laughs) and I think that's the thing is um 
no one would call that misogyny, even if at the end of the day it diminishes her feelings of self-worth, which feel a bit woman-hating, but in fact it's very personal to you rather than broader. So much research in recent years shows that in hetero relationships, women are still taking on the burden of um, housework, domestic duties, emotional labour. Why do you think we're still in this rut where we can't get past that with all of the things that we know? Partly I think there's going to be a biological aspect to this and I hate that. I, I really – it sort of makes me bit vomit in my mouth when I say it but I think – there are certainly, at the end of the day, going to be things women disproportionately care about. And I think things, not all women, but I think there are a lot of women who are simply going to notice a dirty apartment, a dirty bathroom, and have different standards regarding these things more than a man. Now, when I say biological, as I'm thinking it through, that also could be socialising in the sense that women have also grown up seeing their mothers do this and also see their mothers keep a certain kind of house standard, which then she feels is the norm. And he never lives up to that in terms of he doesn't seem to care as much, etc., etc. So therefore, she does a lot of those things. I think that's partly. Standards are high, whether it's biological or socially conditioned. Women are also the sort of police people or police women of that space. I think another aspect of this also is a lack of communication. And this has an extension into the bedroom as well, where women have a um, difficulty, greater difficulty asking for what they want. And the fear that if they ask for what they want, they feel like they're being nags. So that particularly asserting yourself and saying, look, it's not cool that we don't split the household duties fairly, doing that in a way that she doesn't feel like his mother is, I think, something that we're very self-conscious about. So I think that also is often it's just easy to do it yourself. Then biology comes back to it that if children are involved, there are simply going to be things that she has to do that he can't. So I think also some of this stuff goes out the window once she starts lactating and uh, the you know midnight feeds are probably going to be done by her unless she's expressed. These things sort of also highlight that they, um, even if your relationship works well when it's just the two of you, it's open for change once children are involved as well. But you see it all the time with friends. I, I see it as well you know, with aspects of myself where um, things like, for example, going to someone's house and sort of bringing a food item or a bottle of wine where often men just don't think to do those things. And I wonder whether I don't necessarily think that's ever going to be spotted on a DNA code, you know, a genome code. Likes bringing favourites. Where's the hospitality part? But it feels very gendered in my experience. And I think that's uh, there's a number of aspects to that, including, gen, um, you know, biology as well as what you've seen other women do around you and normalising, you know. But that said, who's also doing the getting all the signatures on the birthday card or, or when someone's leaving the office? Women do that. That kind of n- never thought of labour that is always women. Who goes and gets, you know, the cake for the office party and all these things? They're expected that women are somehow naturally better at this stuff and I wonder whether we've become better at it because of biology and that sort of caring for others and that sort of nurturing idea or whether it's because we simply know if someone's going to do it, we damn well better get it done ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the best way to wrap this chat with Lauren up is actually looking inside the bedroom. If you're a feminist outside of the bedroom, Zara, and you're going on dates and thinking, I want to pay half, this needs to be equal, does the same apply when you are between the sheets? 
So I think for heterosexual women who are feminists, that is everyone's experience. <laughs> and I think that sort of marrying them up is almost going to be impossible. I think you can try and there are ways to do it, for example, ensuring that you're with a partner who respects you. But if you've got turn-ons that conflict with your politics, for example, if you look at data on uh, things that turn women on, uh, consensual non-consent or often what's called rape fantasy is really high in women's sexual fantasies. As feminists, this is really troubling. So what do we do with that information? And for me, I've always just rationalised the bedroom needs to be a separate space. It needs to be somewhat at least disconnected from the world of politics. Now, that doesn't mean to go in there blindly and giving up all your rights and giving up all your power, but it does mean that pleasure should be the priority, both yours and your partner. And I think feminism can help you in the sense of encouraging you to ask for what you want and getting out of bad situations. But if you're in a situation of overthinking every single touch, gesture, word, little bit of dirty talk or a lot of dirty talk, you're going to sabotage your own pleasure. Who wins there? Do you want to be the sacrificial lamb for a cause that's never going to know that you did the right thing and said no to the handcuffs? It's true. Who, who are you proving it to? And I think this is a narrative, and I certainly know at the very start of, of, of my sex life, this was a paranoia for me. You know, if you're going to do heterosexuality, how do you do it justice as a feminist? Then I'd be. Then I sort of moved on. Thought, who cares? And I say that as someone who's serious about my politics, but also serious about pleasure and the whole purpose of having sex. Otherwise, what is the point? And I guess as long as your pleasure is held up as just as important as his pleasure, that is kind of feminism anyway. Yeah, like, as, long as long as you're as... not with someone who's treating you badly, who's not respecting you, who's prioritising his needs over yours, as long as you know this stuff going in, but then I'd hopefully think that your feminism helps you pick the right partner. Yeah. Then once he's in the bedroom, <laughs> it's, you know, different rules apply. And that's all we've got time for today. Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. We will see you guys next Friday. Yay!